the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, welcome, my friends, to Come Together San Diego, the July 11th broadcast. And I wrote across the top of my scripting, I said, here's the word I wrote. I wrote incendiary. (laughs) So, my friends, if you're ready for an incendiary insight on what's going on in the world in San Diego County, scripturally and in the news perspective and uh, any other biblical or, or, or extracurricular insights, you got it. And to help me to help me plow that field, I have a man who is an expert plower. I, would, would you would you say I'm sorry a couple times to me? I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I have no idea why, but I'm <laughs> I just wanted to say he's a well-known apologist. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Siegel, Bob Siegel show uh, on uh, our sister station, uh, the. Uh, um, the answer, yes, San 1170, Diego, 1170 AM and 96.1 right. FM. That's right. And so you're geared up to share some stuff, aren't you? I'm geared up, yeah. <laughs> My listening friend, here's what's going on in this show. We're calling this entire two-hour broadcast Rants and Reasoning. And so, so now, Bob, I'm sure you're doing the rant part and I'm doing the reasoning part. I'm sure that's what you nah. must have had on your mind, Cass. <laughs> Nobody knows me as a person that ever rants no, at no, all. No, no, no. Everything you say is well, well, script, well thought out. No, well, no I'd like question. to think it's well thought out, but I don't mind giving a sense of moral indignation. I do believe there's <laughs> such a thing as righteous acres. You, you ever see the scripture about Jesus cleaning the temple area out? This kind of Bob does that oftentimes. Yeah, and then you hear the the historical. Oh well, he, yeah, he used a whip, but he did it in love. <laughs> well, tough love, maybe, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And here, you know, there are a lot of things that are going across the news wires these days. One of the big things, you know, the name Roger Stone, of course. Yes, he was pardoned. And I'm just waiting for a judge to now try to say that the president didn't have a right to pardon Absolutely. him. Absolutely. But the no pardoning, matter what Trump does, if he sneezed, some judge would overrule the sneeze. Exactly. The commutation of, commutation of uh, Roger Stone yes. is one thing we're going to talk about. But here's the deal. We have somebody coming in on the show um, in the next segment who's going to be some behind-the-scenes the news behind the news. This is a person who helped uh, Roger Stone get uh, connected with Franklin Graham and receive the Lord recently. And this is all God's doing what's going on in this, in this picture as well. I have a feeling that Roger Stone's going to be a real spokesman for the Lord. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to bring somebody on from Washington DC area that has that insights as well. So big things going on. So looking forward to it. Well, let's not look forward anymore. Let's jump right on in. All right. So there's a lot of things going on in the news. And tell me just briefly about your show and why people should be listening to your show, The Bob Siegel Show. Well, we call our show the the theme Christianity and its relationship to politics and, and pop culture. We talk about the Bible. 
We talk about the arts. Uh, we talk about politics lately because of the, the lockdowns and the COVID and the riots and the cancel culture. I've been focused far more on where we are as a society yes. lately. Uh, and that's understandable. Sure. If we were living in uh, Nazi Germany right around the time that Hitler took over and we were in the church, I don't think we'd be discussing the Wednesday night potluck. We'd be trying to figure out what to do about the encroachment of the fascism that's coming to our country. So it's a it's a very urgent time in the history of the church. So the how can we not talk about the that? The encroachment of the fascism that yes. is attacking our country. Yes. We're going to talk some more about that as well. You have a real heart for these things. and uh, I you, do. And when you were talking about a Christian apologist. Uh, <laughs> I mean, today we think of it as an apology. That word originally meant an explanation. And then, as you know, words change over the years. So it turned into, um, here's my explanation, and and I'm also sorry. And and then let me explain. Let me give the explanation of why I did what I did. Then we dropped the explanation part, so we just think I'm sorry. But the word, well, it's found in the Bible. It's found in 1 Peter. But it really became popular in the 2nd century when Rome was accusing Christians of being enemies of the empire. And the Christians defended uh, their faith uh, not only morally by saying we're not enemies of the empire, we're, we're peaceful, but they also defended it intellectually. They said, we follow a man named Jesus who was God incarnate. He rose from the dead. And if anyone doubts this, uh, you can check the archives of Pontius Pilate That's that right. are in the Imperial Library in Rome anytime. So an apologist defends Christianity right. academically and ethically, morally. Lately, it's been a lot more the ethical, moral part, but we still love to dialogue with atheists and people that think we have this blind faith, which and, we and, don't really and, have. And even the historian Josephus corroborated a, the resurrection corroborated of as well. Uh, he certainly no, did. No question and about he was it, not so. a Christian, and he still corroborated I, because it. Because history is history. That is correct. Except when you start tearing down the history of things like statues and things like that to say, we're rewriting history, which is yes. going to be another topic. Yeah. Well, to you know, if about. it starts with statues now, it's going to be book burning tomorrow. And they won't need to burn them in our age. All they need to go to is to where all these books yep. are digitized, push a button, and they're gone. It's, yes. This is a, a really grave time in our history. I, I, I appreciate what you said. I, sometimes God gives me, I'm a, wor- a wordsmith. So when, when we talk about tearing down statues, and you said that's the f- early it's phase. the beginning of it. But, but the first phase is the tearing down of statues. And the second phase is the tearing down of statutes. In yes. other words, the Constitution. And and the third phase is the tearing down of people and the murdering of people. The Ooh. same mob that will tear a statue down and behead a statue, they will behead a person in a heartbeat. Just look at other times in history sure. where there were revolutions. They started with the statues, and then eventually any dissenter was also executed. Sure, and if there's nobody to abate that activity, then uh, it runs rampant. And what are we talking about? The defunding the police department? Uh, yeah. Uh, anybody who can see uh, has a little flavor of history, and in their heart of hearts, they see what's going on. You, you do the math on well, that, and there's no question, some, Bob. S- some see and some don't. Here's the recipe for evil and a dictatorship taking over. You have some people that are brainwashed and are sheep. You have others that see what's going on, but they're cowards. And then you have others that know what's going on because they're causing it and they're pulling all the strings. That's a really dangerous recipe. What we need is some people with the courage to speak out and say enough of this nonsense. We will not put up with it anymore. And some are, many are, but not enough are.
We're going to talk about those things. And you use the word recipe, and I always like to jump on, on people's words because I can do some Not analogy. that I could cook anything for well, the life of me, but, but, but it's here, a nice word anything. <laughs> but let's use that as an analogy because uh, a good cook has within their uh, portfolio a bunch of things that have worked before, and they begin. Now when they're creating a meal, they apply these things, and they come up with the meal that they intended to come up with. This whole uh, socialism uh, plate, plate of socialism that we're being uh, being served to us is not something that uh, is an instant uh, menu. I, I mean, it's it's something that the ingredients and the the construction of that have been planned and pre premeditated for it's many been, times. It's been it's, here for a long time. It just went on a mudslide right. since February. Yeah, but it's it's it was in the works for years and, and, and years. And, and years. now they're baking it. And now, and now they're, they're baking it. it. Yeah. And it's time for and us they to fro- they boiled get a taste the frog so slowly that the frog wasn't noticing that he was being boiled to death. <laughs> yeah. Bob Siegel, The Bob Siegel Show on The Answer San Diego, our sister station, and uh, Come Together San Diego on this Salem Media San Diego broadcast, KPRZ, here in San Diego. We're, we're, we're thrilled. We're going to spend two hours together just, you know, I say ranting and reasoning, and you can and take I a choice. And I say reasoning and ranting. <laughs> <laughs> Same cereal, a different box. I like it. Yeah, I like it. And a different spoon, possibly. There we go. My friends, in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about this Roger Stone issue. And I'm going to be bringing somebody on who's a a man that has had experience not only in the Senate, working the Senate floor on both sides of the Senate floor, and also doing security. He's worked with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, has some great insights. But you'll be amazed at the connections he has tied to Roger Stone and some of the revelation he has about this. So we're going to get the news within the news and we're going to talk about so many other things. So right. the word incendiary comes to mind again. <laughs> so get ready for a incendiary don't broadcast. Say, don't say the word too much, Kaz. There's people out there that actually want to go burn down buildings. Well, you, know, anybody in, uh, you, you mean it in the figurative sense, but there's yeah. people out there waiting to do it literally. Incendiary. Yeah. You know, the scripture, we, we know this is the Kaz version. All have incendiaried and fallen short of there the Lord. No. Inci- oh, <laughs> and the, as the S-I-N yeah, yeah, there, Very there we good. Go. Very good. <laughs> well, uh, More of this and other things as well when Bob Siegel and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Hello, my friends. Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> Bob Siegel, the Bob Siegel Show. He's our uh, he's our fellow broadcaster and the Salem Media Group here in San Diego with our sister station, the KCPQ station called The Answer San Diego. And his show is on Sundays called The Bob Siegel Show. Yeah. Isn't that right? It's called that. It's that generic name. It's like when they used to sell the T-shirt and it said "shirt" on it. The generic T-shirt. Yeah, oh sure. We're the generic mm. show. Oh sure. Oh sure. He is. <laughs> Nothing generic about Bob Siegel, my friends. He's a man who knows scripture and he knows the signs of the times. And uh, so we call upon him and, and listeners call, have been calling upon him for years, actually, here in San Diego. So, so Bob, we have a, a guest uh, visitor on the show. But before we do, we're going to spend the next two segments talking about the news as it relates to Roger Stones and his uh, commuted sentence by Donald Trump. Of course, Donald Trump has to know anytime he does something like this, he is going to be right in the center of the target, even more so than other times. So what can you tell us briefly 
uh, Bob about well, Roger Stone, then I'm going to introduce well, our Donald special Trump, guest. Donald Trump was already the center of the target. Sure. They keep missing the target and taking <laughs> down the people around him. He was an attorney, um, very much like Flynn. They tried to get him to rat on Trump. He refused to do it. So they nailed him on what they call, it's, it's becoming popular in the news, process crime. Which process crime. He's not guilty of what they brought him in to accuse him and Trump of, but they'll just come up with something. If they're bugging their records, then they could always say, you know, on February 13th, you sure. gave a deposition and you, saying that you went to McDonald's and ordered yes, a Big right. Mac. We have an uns- <laughs> sound was, authority. <laughs> it was a quarter pounder and cheese. And then they'll arrest <laughs> the person for that. Uh, I and, understand. Uh, so I, I believe Trump was right to commute the sentence. But as I said in the of last course he's segment, get- some, no matter what Trump does, some narcissistic judge with delusions of godhood and grandeur will <laughs> overturn it. I don't know how. I don't know what basis well, they'll use. They'll call it constitutional. There'll be nothing in the Constitution that goes well, along with it in reality. Somebody's going to try to do it. Of course they are. Well, I don't know that they'll succeed, but they will try because it's Donald Trump. They would throw exactly. him in jail <laughs> for having been a Cub Scout and having refused to help an old lady cross the street yes, when I he know. was six years old if they could. I understand. So, you know, on this topic uh, of uh, Roger Stone, I have a, a dear friend in the Washington, D.C. area, and uh, he's a guy who has intimate relationship. In He's worked on the floor of the Senate for a number of years. He's in, done security. He's also worked with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and he's very well connected. But he has a story to tell, an intimate story about Roger Stone. And my listening friend, as a believer, you need to know some uh, updates on what Roger Stone has done and is doing as it relates to relationship with the Lord, because that's going to give you some prayer ammo as well. Uh, Bob, well, uh, for another five minutes, at least in this country, we're still going to have a First Amendment to freedom of speech. Yes. So I say bring them on while we still have time, Cass. Yes, okay. <laughs> I want you to meet my, li- my listening friends. I want you to meet a, a friend of mine in the on the East Coast. His name is Frank Shelton. Frank, are you with us? Kaz, it's great to be with both of you tonight, and I've enjoyed the dialogue already. So, Thank you. You know, uh, I need to put you guys together. Uh, Bob, Bob has a show call, called The Bob Siegel Show because his name happens to be Bob Siegel. You, you, work, you understand how that yeah, works? Yeah, we tried really hard to come up with another name. That was, that's what we came up with. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so well, he may— Thank uh, you for your remarks. Uh, I, I might invite you to join him on the air if, he, if, he, if, if Bob's willing to do that. I would be honored to have him. So anyway, so but but Frank, well, I've been seeing some posts from you that showed your picture with a guy named Roger Stone and some some uh, photographs of uh, exaltation of the Lord, and, and and I'm going. There's a story behind this, and you began to write the story in your Facebook post. Would you share with that? But also before you do, just spend a, a brief introduction about who you are and your heart cry for Scripture and the Lord, because God has put you. Right. I tell you, Frank Shelton has been planted right in the thick of many of these things. Frank, uh, lay it on us, would you, and then jump on in? Yeah. We're going to take a couple well, segments to do this, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, yeah so we'll, we'll unpack slow, but it, it's great to be back with you. And hello, San Diego. Um, number one, uh, so I was born on Capitol Hill. My mother worked um, for the U.S. Capitol Historical Society. And she was born 4th of July, and she literally was having labor pains with me President's Day weekend, and it was a cold, snowy (laughs) time, and my mother thought she was going to give birth to me in the halls of Congress 
on President's Day. Oh, my. So I joke, some people say they come to work to Washington, and I'm like, no, we were born to work in Washington. Okay, well, on so the, on, that's on your mom's side, and then on your dad's side, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, my father uh, was a fifth-generation Washingtonian police officer, and my dad retired as the acting assistant chief of the entire United States Capitol Police. For those who don't know, that is America's police force. Out of 3,000, my dad retired as number two in command. He was the chairman of the inaugural committee for Bill Clinton's first inaugural. My father and his team was in charge of the entire security. Um, just when Clinton was at the top of his game, my dad, police-wise, was at the top of his game. And as you know, in law enforcement, um, it's bipartisan, and it should be, it should at be. least at the federal level. Unfortunately, the FBI uh, needs to take note and come back around with that. But they went from patriots to partisan policing. Yes. And my dad's so disappointed he doesn't even wear his FBI National Academy class ring, which he graduated in 1978. So oh my. just like in politicians, they're statesmen. Um, you know, we need to be bigger than bureaucrats, and I'll just park the car there. But, haven't heard that. <laughs> but leave the engine my running. Dad, my dad protected eight U.S. presidents, but because, as you know, we all the way go all the way back. It was a Shelton who hand-carried President Abraham Lincoln across the street from Ford's Theater Good Friday, 1865, and carried him across the cobblestone street to the Peterson House. So we did some calculating. Uh, my uncle was uh, U.S. Capitol Police. Dad, of course, helped run the Capitol Police. My granddaddy was a captain, D.C. Metropolitan Police. My great-grandfather rode horseback with U.S. Park Police, but my great-great-great-grandfather was with Lincoln, so we added it up. I believe the last 26 of 28 presidents have been directly or indirectly protected by a Shelton. 26 U.S. presidents, not my, my, my. counting commissioners, but commanders-in-chiefs. What a so great that, family that heritage to be proud of. You know, and then yeah. we, we can spend, you know, hours and hours on that topic, and, and, and we have and we will continue to do that with you, my friend. We may even call upon your uh, your special voices you do of uh, a, a couple of very well-known people. But today, uh, you, you had some interesting things to say about Roger Stone and something that's going to uh, endear him to our Christian friends, and they will also help them have ammo to pray about him. And this whole thing that's going on right now about the uh, commutation of the sentence— and uh, yeah, and uh, reasons to pray all the more vigilantly about him. We've got about two or three minutes in this segment, but stay with us for the next segment as well, because I know you, and the story doth continue. So lay it on us, would you, Frank Sheldon? Yeah, well, you've heard of uh, Leibniz Stone. I told you this Stone got so praise the Lord. I'm happy for him. Uh, um, speak, speak slowly, because we're losing you as you uh, as you speak. So go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so I got a call probably eight, nine months ago, Kaz, from a good friend of mine named Randy Coggins, and he said, Frank, I've been privately discipling Roger Stone for the last probably year and a half. And uh, and Randy is probably still in his late 20s, so it was a unique connection. And then, you know, I had been praying about that, and then he called me back and said, hey, I know you used to be on staff with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, I did 10 of Franklin's 50 state decision tours, and he said, Franklin's doing seven or eight cities in the Sunshine State in Florida, and Roger really would like to possibly come to one of Franklin's rallies. 
is there any way you can maybe make a connection for him to privately meet with Franklin? And that's when the wheels started turning in my mind. I was told early on, under-promise and over-deliver. Um, but then I also knew two dozen FBI agents had swarmed his house in the middle of the morning with the CNN cameras rolling, and I think they even had a helicopter, and it was just over the top. And it, the tempting thing was thinking, well, you know, the Grams, the, the reputation is almost untarnished and no hint of scandal, and here Roger is in this firestorm, um, you know, what would Jesus do? And then I also thought, what would Dr. Graham do? Oh, yes. And Billy Graham not only ministered to the, the masses, he ministered to individuals. He didn't just go after the poor, he also ministered to the powerful, and he also ministered to those who were in tough times. And that's yes. the mark of not only a true minister, but a true shepherd, and a true leader. Um, so fr- fr- re- here, here's yeah, what, what I'd like here. to do, because I'm coming up yeah. against a break here, and I know um, that uh, we have some questions. In, in particular, Bob Siegel's been getting excited about asking a question or two. Uh, I, we're coming up against a break, so I'm going to. Here's what's going to happen to my listening friends. Bob Siegel's going to ask the question, and now I'm going to allow Frank Sheldon an opportunity to be thinking over it during the commercial break and have him launch in in this in the following segment with the answer to this. So, what question would you ask, Bob Siegel? Well, <coughs> this <coughs> this diverges a little bit, but. I'm a big admirer of Franklin Graham because there are a lot of pastors that are compromising. And I'm imagining a lot of fire that he's coming under and would like to hear a little bit about how he's coping, too. So I realize we're here to talk about Roger Stone, but you said Franklin Graham, and I just lit up, and I'd like to hear a little bit about him, too. Let me tell you a little bit about Frank Shelton. He's able to to, uh, put uh, complicated sentences together back to back and answer a bunch of questions so frank there you go we're going to talk about your your uh, insights uh, with roger stone but also franklin graham as don't go away uh, I, I, don't get off the phone frank shelton because we need you for the next segment and uh, bob siegel and i and frank shelton have much more stuff to share when we come back right back <laughs> You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hello, San Diego. This is Rick Sines from uh, Red Seal Ministries. I just bless you and ask you just to receive the love of the Lord at this time, uh, this open season we have in San Diego. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Welcome back to Come Together San Diego. What a show do we have for you today? Hmm, great and even incendiary. And here's where the incendiary part comes in because we're going to be talking a little bit about. This guy named Roger Stone and the commutation of the sentence done by Donald Trump. And a reason for you, even all the more reason for you to be praying for Roger Stone and to give us the behind the scenes story of the story. Frank Shelton is with us from the East Coast, Washington, D.C. area, who uh, has a story to tell. And, and Bob Siegel, you also wanted him to incorporate things about 
little bit about Franklin Graham because of, there's so much compromising going around here, and Franklin Graham is one who does not compromise. And, there you go. And, I have a great admiration for his dad, you know, Billy yeah. Graham. We'll never see the likes of him again. But Franklin Graham's at a much more critical time he in is. our country's history than his dad was. Either, he is indeed. And has some battles that his dad did not have to fight. So, Frank Sheldon, are you? It, I feel like you know, it's the voiceover announcer for the Mission Impossible. Mr. Phelps, if you're willing to take this, you know, the, the message will self-destruct in four seconds. Are you willing to take this assignment, Frank Sheldon? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it would be an honor, and just for full disclosure, I think you would understand that I, I don't officially speak for Franklin. Of course not. Uh, but I can tell you the five years that I had the honor to serve, I was um, on the My Hope with Billy Graham. I was a regional, and then I was the state coordinator for all things uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association for D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia, and I had all of Delaware. And then, again, I was in charge of two, Delaware and Annapolis, uh, but I actually did 10 of Franklin's 50-state tours. And we were not political by no means, but the fact is that with Franklin doing that 50-state tour, they already told us on television that Hillary was going to win, and he was just trying to call the nation to prayer. And the fact is 82% of Christians went out and voted. It shocked the world, yes, and it changed the direction of where we are today. So I do believe, all glory to God, the people owe Franklin a debt of gratitude. And I knew we were in an uphill battle because a lot of local pastors, um, they couldn't even come together for prayer. They thought it was too political yes. because of the proximity to the state capitol. We weren't talking about, you know, can you lose your salvation? Do you believe in healings? Do you believe in speaking in tongues? We were just asked to pray, and yes. we couldn't even get most pastors to oh pray. My. Now, we still had great crowds, but Franklin heard from the Lord. He stepped out by faith. Uh, it is a different day, just like he alluded to. It, it's not even when we did the—I helped with Pasadena at the Rose Bowl. Billy Graham would have 103,000 in the Rose Bowl. We were out in the parking lot of the Rose Bowl when Franklin's bus came to town. I was there that night. Matter of fact, I met Craig Glory there that night. But the, the catch is, Franklin, they said Billy Graham was too liberal. They're saying Franklin's too conservative. They're both statesmen. And I will say this, Franklin um, is an amazing man of God. He's unique. Of course, he's not quite like his daddy, but that's like saying, why doesn't Michael Jordan's sons play just like his daddy? That's, yep, exactly. that's unfair for anybody. Um, but he has had some battles that even his father didn't have. I mean, we have this thing called social media where everyone has a, a press secretary. Exactly. And before, and, if you were upset with New York Times or CNN, you'd write a letter and it would be in the basement and an intern may throw it at file 13. But now you tag at CNN, Fox News. I mean, you could be on headline news that night as a lead story. Exactly. Well, and there's people that would try to send truth. Franklin Graham to prison if they could, just for his free speech, like yeah. they're trying to do for oh, yeah. all Christians. And he's a spokesman. Absolutely. So these yeah. are very so, different times. I, Again, great admiration for his dad. But Franklin's oh, yeah. not only taking the mantle, I think he's going a step further. And yeah. he should and, get and, credit and, for that. And this is the time yeah. we need to go a step further. I'm going to turn you guys, I'm going to try to turn this river in a different, little different <laughs> direction here, because we want to Talk about Roger Stone and the story that you have to share about that as it relates to Franklin Graham and it relates to our prayer warriors that are listening to the yeah. show. So well, Franklin, yeah, if honest. I could just say one more sentence and I'll get straight into Roger because this is a good segue. But had Franklin not be a man of integrity, 
in private. He couldn't be so bold in public. And what you see is what you get. And that's why he's been able to be so strong, so concise, and uh, so powerful is because he's definitely a man of honor and integrity. So not only is his earthly father proud of him, his heavenly father is extremely proud of him. So we're cheering him on. So back to Roger Stone. When Franklin Graham was coming to Florida, I had just come off the payroll, and they reached out to me and said, hey, can you try to make a connection? Um, Roger really would like to come. I mean, his mobility was limited. I can't remember if that was part of the court order, but, you know, it wasn't like he was traveling too much. But because it was in Florida, near his home, he'd like to go to that event when the bus came to town. And he said he would really like to meet Franklin if possible. And I've gotten those requests many of times. And, you know, sometimes you just have to politely, you know, just because Franklin can't see everybody. But because it was the circumstances and with Roger and in my spirit, I really felt like he needed some ministering to. I didn't want to be the one to stop and not let God do his thing. You know, I wanted to at least pass that up the, the food chain and they would make the decision. And so I reached to a former supervisor and literally within a business day, Franklin's office said, we'll be glad to meet with them. And I thought that was really big of them. It was. And so they went and he did get 10 minutes privately, one-on-one, my friend, Randy, Roger Stone and Franklin on the tour bus. And he listened, he loved on them and prayed with them. And when he got off the bus, the praise music had started and the gospel was preached. And Randy that night texted me a picture that just thrilled my heart. And the Associated Press ended up running with a picture. But Roger, in the crowd, like anybody else, uh, with his hands stretched towards heaven and tears running oh. down his face as Franklin gave the invitation. And um, he made a public profession of Christ at that event. And then I remember thinking, you know, Randy had already been trying to minister to him for a while. And what have, would have happened if I just said, no, I'm not on staff. I can't help, you know, you know, we'll pray for him. But I just don't think I should have been that guy to stop it. I just felt like God was moving. And then Franklin gets a lot of credit. So then that night as they were leaving, Randy calls me on the phone with Roger in the car. And they were high as a kite and just excited what the Lord did and Randy's calling me, which was big of him. Sometimes you open up a door for someone and they forget to say thanks, but it's okay. I was just trying to help them. Yes. And they called me and that said a lot about them. And they said, you know, it was amazing. Franklin did allow us to connect. He was a gentleman. Um, Roger made a public commitment to Christ. And, um, and by the way, he's in the car and he wants to thank you personally. So the next <laughs> thing I know, Cass, I'm on the phone for 10 minutes. It's just Roger and I, as Randy's driving down the Florida highway somewhere. Oh my, my. And that, and so I just told him, you know, we're loving on him. We're praying for him. I, I did 20 years of politics on Capitol Hill. I worked in the house side, the Senate side, the governor of Maryland and I volunteered in four white houses, but I really was not speaking an absolute guarantee. I mean, he had a lot against him sure. uh, as far as charges, you know, and at this point I'm just trying to minister to him. So I'm just, trying the love of Jesus, no matter what happens, God is our source. You know, I remember Chuck Colson. I was invited to his 75th birthday party before he died. He went from Richard Nixon's man, got arrested during the Watergate, went to prison, but founded the greatest prison ministry since the apostle Paul himself. 
and I got to meet him, get a picture with Colton, and then there's no telling what God can do, you know. So I just said, you know, just keep pressing into God like never before, you know. This is not just a decision. Become a disciple. And we're praying for you. You know, we love you. And, uh, you know, any way we can help, we're here. So fast forward, a couple months later, um, Randy calls me and says, well, you know, Roger's coming to D.C. I'm going to be there with him uh, at the court thing. And if you look in a lot of the pictures of Roger Stone that day with he and his wife, my friend Randy, the young preacher, the mentor, the one that's a third his age, is really <laughs> right over his shoulder the whole time. And uh, it, and that says a lot about them, and it's truly a God thing. And he said, um, I'm going to be coming up to D.C., and I'd like to meet with you. And the plan originally was Randy and I was going to go to a nice restaurant and then go privately to Roger's hotel room the night before the sentencing, which was this year. I believe it was in March of 2020, right before the corona. We were still allowed to eat in public. And uh, then I was going to privately just go, you know, catch up with him. Good to see you. Finally shake his hand. I know he has a lot on his plate, but we're just praying for him. And while Randy and I was eating, Roger called and said, hey, you don't have to come to the hotel room. My wife and I and just a few friends are going to go to a nice restaurant, and we want you to come join us for dinner. So oh, that my was part goodness. Two. So now I'm at this table, and part of me is thinking, like, well, you know, Jesus, it was the last supper for him. How do you feel getting ready to go into this big trial? Yes. Um, you know, the cards were stacked against him. And, and again, I'm not trying to speak legally or politically. I'm just sharing um, pastorally, you know, just sure. just trying to represent Jesus and uh and then so here I am at the table, and then we got a chance to spend probably an hour and a half that night, and his wife was really nice, and um, I could name just a few other names, but I, I don't have privy to touch. Uh, I understand, I understand. Yeah, well, what I'd like, like to do, Frank, as we come yeah. to a close in this segment, is I'd like you to pray for our listeners and give them some ammo to pray over uh, Roger as well, And because uh, I'm actually against against the break right now, but... Um, uh, I'm going to extend this segment just a little bit to let you do that, and then this yeah. is an incredible moment, though, it because is. not only was Stone pardoned by President Trump, come on, <laughs> commuted earlier than that he was commuted by Jesus Christ. Oh my! You man. don't get into two better companies than that than the President of the United States and the God of the whole universe. Yes, yes, yes. Would you take one you minute, Frank, to to tell our listening? friends, how they could be in prayer about this. And I think your humility and transparency about this, you aren't saying uh, innocent or guilty or anything like that. You're dealing with the heart of a person, and I appreciate that. So would you take the next 60 seconds as we close this segment, Frank, and uh, say thank you to you to instruct our listeners on how they might pray in light of all this? Frank Shelton. Yeah, well, Billy Graham was asked, I think it was in 72, 73, to come to the White House to spend the night, the night before Richard Nixon was to resign in embarrassment. Some of his own people said, I wouldn't go to the White House. He's damaged goods. Nixon's been embarrassed, and he could hurt your ministry. I wouldn't go. And Billy Graham got on that plane, flew by himself, spent the night alone with Richard Nixon and ministered to Pat. And the very next day, just outside of the cameras, as Richard Nixon got on Marine One for the last time and sailed off to retirement, but in disappointment, a reporter came up to Billy Graham and was shocked that he was there. And he said, 
to the worldwide evangelist, why would you come? And Billy Graham said, quote, I wouldn't be much of a shepherd if I left my sheep in the dark. Oh my. And he showed up when the bottom fell out. Talk and that's about I would integrity. Yes, talk about yeah, integrity. And, and, and so where I worked in four White Houses of both parties, and if my dad protected a president and would have taken a bullet for all of them, I had this saying as we go into the next segment, if we only hang out with folks and pray for folks who look like us, talk like us, dress like us, and vote like us, we don't look like Jesus. Yes. Paul was all things to all men, and that's why we need to reach out to others, whether they are your cup of tea or political persuasion or not. Because yes. it's not only the right thing to do, it's not only the biblical thing to do, it's the Christ thing to do. My, my. Frank Shelton, thank you for joining us for these two segments. We've been blessed. Great meeting you, Frank. I, I, I know Bob was blessed as well. So thank you, Frank Shelton. If you could say one word in the voice of Billy Graham, what would it be to our listening friend? Now, this one of the things that, that Frank does is impersonations as well. Would you like to say one phrase as we take a commercial break? And we thank you right now for joining us, Frank Shelton. What would you say if uh, in the voice of Billy Graham? Well, it's been an honor to be with you tonight. I listen to programs all over the world, but in my free time, I only listened to Kaz Taylor. <laughs> Frank Shelton. <laughs> Billy Graham straight from heaven <laughs> listening to you, Kaz. I love it. Frank Shelton, thank you for joining us, my friend. Bob Siegel, we're going to be back, and, and Bob and I are going to talk about the right to assembly and uh, the dangers in pulling that right away from we Americans who stand for our Constitution. We'll talk more about that. As I, have you remembered the word I said, incendiary? Here oh, we yes. Go. Nobody's going to forget that word tonight, Kaz. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Bob. And we'll be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. And I'm back with my growing good friend, Bob Siegel, Bob Siegel Show, The Answer San Diego, our sister uh, broadcasting uh, station. It's always great to be here with you, Cass. It's a pleasure. And, you know, we here's what happens. I kind of give a, a rough outline to my co-host and say, here maybe is where the direction we're going to go is, and what the Holy Spirit does as soon as he comes into the play, which is instantly as as we turned on the microphone, he goes, hey, let's take this nuance, this direction. So um, I can kind of throw away the scripting, but that's okay because God says, you know, you you had due diligence in that, now let me blow on this and let me, t- you know. I got it. I'll take it from here. Thank you, Kaz. <laughs> so, so Bob, I know you. Have so you're been, saying the Holy Spirit doesn't need talking points? Is what no, you're he doesn't. He yeah. doesn't need talking points. Well, he does, and you and I are those points. Or we're, we're the vessels. Ooh, hopefully, there. hopefully, we're the vessels for the talking <laughs> points. We get too many of our own points mixed in. Yeah, we don't go. want to do that. But I yeah. think what you're going to be sharing has God talking points all over it, and the topic is the right to assemble. As we look around, what's going on, not only in the nation but in San Diego and in California, that right to assemble is being uh, twisted. First of all, as far back as February, I never believed our governors and mayors when they told us that all they're trying to do is keep us safe. I always believed this was nothing but a Trojan horse, the new climate change. I went on Facebook. I went on my show. I said, watch the phrase social distancing. It's going to become like the new green deal. Uh, but for anybody that may have doubted that for anybody that may have believed it, 
All you have to do is look at the fact that these are now, and I don't just mean California, it's particularly going on here, but all kinds of other blue states yes. and even some red, the same people that said they were trying to keep us safe and, and to keep us safe, they would go and arrest some hairdresser for opening up her salon mm-hmm. saying the, the policeman yeah. is your friend, they were saying. Listen to the policeman. The policeman's just doing his job. These same people, just a couple of weeks later, are telling the police to stand down while buildings are being burnt, while people are being shot. They're talking about defunding the police. In in Minnesota, they've gone ahead and they've uh, said that they're going to abolish the police department. The mayor hasn't signed it yet. There's a there's a mayor in Seattle who oh come on uh, you know they declared themselves independent of the United States. She says, oh well, it's going to be a love fest. That's right. Then some people got shot, and people were getting raped. This got back to her. She still didn't seem to care until they started until showing up on her they, property. Yeah, they showed up on her property. Uh, of course, she had borders up on her property. Don't ever again believe these liars when they say they're trying to keep us safe. They're not trying to keep us safe. My. That's putting aside the obvious truth that according to two very important documents, first the Bible, the most important of yes. all, we are given a mandate to assemble. We are given a mandate to preach the gospel. If they tell you you can't sing in church today, what's to keep them from telling you you can't share the gospel tomorrow? You could get COVID-19 from hearing the gospel, too, if you're talking close enough. And look, I'm not saying the church should never be flexible. I'm not saying that there's times when I'm in worship and I don't particularly care for the song. doesn't mean that I'm not feeling worshipful. It's just like don't find it uh, particularly great music. I might sit one out. No big deal. I look around me, others are worshiping. I'm, I'm not saying there are never exceptions or that singing is the end of the world, but I'm saying the scripture does command us to worship. Yes. It does command us to sing. And if they stop that today, what will they do tomorrow? The, now, put, that's the Bible. In the Constitution, we have a First Amendment that gives us the right to freedom of religion and the right to freedom of assembly. And when we have these judges, and now I'm talking about the Supreme Court, Chief Justice on the Supreme Court, he ruled with our Governor Newsom in a lawsuit when Newsom was not going to open up, you know, a couple of months ago, they weren't allowing churches to meet at all. Now he feels emboldened. This is a guy that already had an anti-Christian agenda. He's been emboldened now by the Supreme Court. And then we have the judge say, the Chief Justice says, well, I don't really feel this is violating their freedom, because the Christians can still go to church. Excuse me. Excuse me. These are the same people that are always quoting separation between church and state. Now, those words aren't actually found in the Constitution anyway. But there is an establishment clause that says Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. That means states, too, because there's a supremacy clause in our Constitution which says the states can't make laws that violate the sure. Constitution. So when people go, oh, well, the governor doing it, that's not the same as congressman. Thank you for that technical point, my friend. The Constitution covers that. And we have a right to assembly. We have a right to freedom of speech. We have a right to freedom of religion. These rights are being taken away. We as Christians know that the church is not simply meeting in a building. The church means we go out. We go out into the world. We don't have people tell us that we have to stay locked yes. up in our homes. Now, if you're listening out there and you're a pastor, obviously there, there's room for grace. There are people in your church that may be frightened of this disease. There are people of certain ages and preconditions that, that need to be careful. If somebody wants to make 
uh, wear a mask. They shouldn't be intimidated. But we've got to treat people like adults. And different Christians are going to make different decisions about what they think is a compromise. And we're going to occasionally have exceptions to the rules. But my friends, we can't let the exception start being the rule. rule. Oh, I'm with you wholeheartedly. And so pastors— Tell your people that, yeah, we're not always going to agree, but decide where you stand. Let them know where you stand. And if you stand in anything that compromises the gospel message or the freedom to share the gospel message or the freedom to have church as the New Testament instructed us to have church, that's going too far. Yes, yes. Bob, can we talk about this for the next hour? We'll begin with this very topic. because. I want to talk a little bit to the pastors. I want to talk about to the parishioners. I want to talk about the people, to the people that are actually uh, orchestrating and administrating in the church environment. You guys have some challenging decisions to, you know, this is what Scripture says, but this is what the government says. How do we find the delicate balance? We're going to kind of go through that and talk through that with you, give some scriptural insights and some practical uh, constitutional insights and all these other things. Remember I said the word incendiary? Well, here we go. Bob Siegel and I are going to be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Come together, San Diego, with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, And we're glad to be back with you, Bob Siegel of the Bob Siegel Show, are on our sister station, and uh, on the KCBQ, The Answer uh, San Diego, thank you for joining me for these two hours, Bob. It's always a pleasure, Kaz. We're we're digging into some stuff, and we're we're maybe touching some nerves, and that's okay because we Bible wants us to the Lord wants us to excavate to study to show ourselves approved a workman that unto God a workman that does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth and and here we we're at a point right now. My listening friends, and Bob, you and I have agreed on this, and that is we need to rightly divide the word of truth these days. Absolutely. And I'm a pastor myself. I've been a pastor for many years. Currently, I'm apologetics pastor over at Skyline. So yes. when I'm talking to pastors, I know it's easy for people to say pastors should do this. Pastors. I've been a pastor myself for many years. I do a lot of other things now as well, radio, and I write books. But I've walked in the shoes of a pastor. I still do. And I and the pastor has the hardest job in the world. So if you're out there listening as a pastor, I mean no disrespect. You have a very difficult job. You always have, even in peaceful times. Yes. But we're living in very precarious times. There are pastors all over the country that are compromising on major issues, trying to shroud it in spirituality. And this is not a time for compromise. This is a time to stand together. And when I talk about courage— the only courage I have comes from the Spirit of God. Yes. The only courage any of us have comes from the Spirit of God. So we're all in this together. We're all struggling with yes, this yes, together. Yes. So I wanted to say that because I know I went really over the top because I, I do— You're passionate. I'm very passionate yes. about this. But I'm not forgetting that it, it's easier said than done. We're all struggling with this together. So I wanted to I wanted to temper what I said a little bit. Not the message, no, no. But, but the tone a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. I wanted to temper that's that a, a little that's bit. That's okay. No, not a problem. In fact, I appreciate 
your your colorful approach. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you appreciating it. <laughs> you know, I, I want to just say that I appreciate you appreciating my appreciation. Well, okay. So, but my listeners, there's another here, whole here, segment here, right here, there because <laughs> we, we could just re, be yes, redundant over yes. on that. But my listening friend, here's the deal: especially those of you who have a mature relationship with the Lord, you know Scripture. You know Scripture, and some of these things that are coming down, Bob, you have to look at Scripture and say, what they're asking us to do violates the scriptural direction. That is correct. So let me just give you a two or three, and I'm going to have you launch out on these things okay. or wherever you want to okay. go on this as it relates to the, the commission for pastors and leaders in a church environment to properly take the mantle and move forward on it. You know, here, here we are in California. We, we broadcast from San Diego, California, and we know that some— uh, uh, official sounding words of direct directives from the governor and maybe local uh, uh, governmental people and so forth they're saying things about uh, pulling back and masks and all that kind of things but here here I want to give you a, a few scriptures my friend and then I'm going to let bobs clean up my mess <laughs> first of all in second corinthians it talks about let us not be ignorant of the devices of the enemy yes so the device of the enemy if the enemy being satan, satan in the spiritual warfare exactly and if he can quiet and restrain and constrain the church. He'd be just delighted. He'd be delighted, but that's that's a major step in him taking over. I, I'm not facetious, facetious when I say this of him taking over the world, at least of him taking over the United States. If he Which can, we know in the Bible that he's going to try to do someday. Is. We don't know when, but this could be a dress rehearsal. Well, I think he's already begun. The the, the, the this is a, an early phase in that. Well, he's going to try it at any time, certainly. But let me give you a couple more scriptures, and then I'm going to let you loose in this for the next five minutes or so. In Hebrews, it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as exactly. the manner of some is, exactly. but it's assembling more and more, identifying one more and more as you see the day approaching. The day of the Lord's return is approaching quickly, and if the enemy wants us to forsake the assembly, there's obviously a message there. Now, let me give you one more scripture. It talks about, because in, in, the, in, in some areas of the United States, and in, in California in particular, the word from government is, do not sing in church. <laughs> well, you know, in the scripture in Psalm 34, it says, and your praise, Lord, will be continually in my mouth. And, you know, we talk about God's desire, and God inhabits the praises of Israel. So as we praise him, he inhabits our praises. Somebody doesn't want God to inhabit our praises. Somebody correct. wants God out of the church environment, and if he can make us be out of the church environment, so much the better, too. Something's going on here, and we need to be aware of it. Yes. What are your insights on okay, that, well, Bob I, Siegel? This started when they were telling us, and, and at that time they weren't singling out churches. They, they were telling everybody they had to sure. stay at home. So a lot of pastors were saying, okay, well, until they single us out, we can't call this a persecution. Okay, at that time, I believe we could cut some slack. God has always had people that are going to try to work within the system, and then sure. others who, like you put it earlier in the show or, or somewhere where we were talking earlier today, like Jeremiah, that sit outside the wall of yeah. the city, and, and they're watchmen, and they're like sure. the prophets. God's always had both kinds. So again, we need to extend each other some grace. But we we also have to be careful because it's really easy at times. See, we become Christians by admitting that we've sinned, and sometimes Christians they 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 don't become Christians. They don't become born again if they don't confess their sins wholeheartedly, without reservation to God. But then what happens is we try to act spiritual and we don't continue addressing our own sins, repenting of sins, or or turning from the temptation to sin. We, like I said earlier, we shroud things 
in spirituality. So here's what I've, I was hearing from Christians for the last couple of months. Well, okay, the church isn't really a building anyway. I mean, we can meet on Zoom. Now, look, Sunday mornings, I am at home teaching my Sunday school class on Zoom because my church skyline, although they partially opened up, the Sunday schools are not. Sure. And Zoom's doing great. We've had people that were in my class that moved to other states who are joining us again. We had some people who, for physical conditions, even before COVID, there were one or two physical conditions before COVID. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> aware of that. There are other diseases. There are. I know that's become the politically correct one, but there are other ones. And now they can join us on Zoom. I've loved being on Zoom, but you know what? Not everybody is internet savvy. I have some senior citizens in my class that don't do the internet. They've been sitting at home doing nothing. Uh, so, okay, the church is not the building. I'm very aware of that. The very first time I ever preached at a church service, I was right out of college raising support because of a campus ministry I was going to do. It was in the Santa Cruz Mountains. It was a church that met in the woods, and that was fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. But here's the thing. A couple of months ago, Kaz, we weren't even allowed to go take a walk in the woods, Come on. according to the governor. They went and tried to hassle a guy that was at a beach. He was the only guy on the beach, and he was on a Surfing. surfboard. Yeah, come on, please. And, and they cited him. So, yes, it's not about a building. Yes, the church can meet everywhere, but it's a mute point when the government tries to tell you you can't meet anywhere. Okay, now they're letting us meet. I hate that phrase, letting us, letting us, like we're supposed to be grateful for a right that was never theirs to take away in the first place. Okay, 25% occupancy, social distancing with masks. That's the next best thing to not even going back to church at all. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't still go and you can't still enjoy it. So they come along with the singing once again. People say, "What? What's okay, so what's the big deal? Don't we make exceptions in church? We do. I believe in baptism, but if somebody came into my church and they had some special medical condition where they couldn't be submerged under water for baptism, I'd find some other way to yeah. help them publicly proclaim Christ. Yes, there's a place for grace, but we have to say to ourselves, if they're starting here, where is it going to end up? We happen to know that there are people in this country, and this isn't conspiracy theory. A conspiracy theory means some deals going on behind a dark room with cigars and rum and no we don't know about it but we're making projections and guesses these governors have shamelessly yeah it's no, no shamelessly right in front of, of course we're going to take this crisis and we're going to use it to our own power and that same agenda that socialist agenda is an anti-christian agenda these are people who talk about the constitution and yet uh, when they want to get a judge to overthrow something they sure. claim it's constitutional isn't it interesting that these same people, some of these rioters and groups, are now talking about shredding the Constitution. If we end up living under a socialist government, there will be no Constitution, there will be no Bible. So, okay, is the singing that big of a deal? No, but what them telling us to do by not singing is a big deal because, my friends, it will not stop there. We're going to talk it more. Will about, not stop there. We're going to talk more about this in, in the remainder of this. Uh, second hour, uh, Bob Siegel. And I'll tell you what, we're, the gloves have come off, and we're—here's the deal. Jesus, you know, a lot of people identify Jesus as, as a wonderful, just peaceable kind of a guy, but he cleansed the temple. 
and he showed, uh, uh, you know, you it's know. never one size fits all with God. Exactly. When Jesus talked to the Pharisees, he called them whitewashed tombs with dead bones. When he talked to the woman caught in adultery, he defended her. Yes, he was gentle with her. Why? Because she knew her sin, so she needed mercy. The others needed to be taken down a peg, sure. otherwise. They wouldn't have been saved. So I think God's saying right now, he's saying revisit uh, the verses. Both sides of Christ. Yes, both both sides because he wants to strike the proper balance. But there are a lot of people that are on the periphery on both sides that need to rethink this. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. How he dealt with leaders and calling them out and how he dealt with the populace were two very different things. True. And I, I want to talk, we're going to talk a little bit in the next segments about the difference between the social gospel gospel oh yeah yeah and i like to i just put an ism at the bottom of that this <laughs> the is socialism. socialism gospel yes and then the uh, gospel of salvation and the flip side of that is the gospel of the kingdom we're going to talk about these things because my listening friend my church going friends my church administrators my p- church pastor friends many of them throughout san diego county and beyond you, this is a time where we have to make our stands and it may be costly but it also may be Godly, and if you do stand, you won't be standing alone. That's, That's exactly the thing right. to remember. We're going to talk but more about that. One or two that. need to be the first ones to Ax- stand. Absolutely. When the ark bearers were taking the ark through the the Jordan River, the two front priests had to make the, the first right. steps into the Jordan Somebody's River. Somebody's got to stand Somebody's up first, to, exactly. So. so we're going to talk about that in a very uh, realistic and biblical way when Bob Siegel and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Come Together San Diego. I'll tell you what, uh, we are talking about stuff that is in the now. My friends, my especially my pastor friends and my faithful churchgoers and those who are administrating in the church environment, there's a pressing question that we're being forced to view as we figure out how we're going to administrate our churches. And that is, how far do we allow government to have its say when it violates scriptural precepts? And what are we willing to do about it? And Bob Siegel is with me uh, with the yeah, Bob Siegel well, the, Show. The, the government's just being very disingenuous because they're telling churches they can't assemble, but if people want to assemble to burn down a building, yes. they, they don't care if they're wearing masks, they don't care if they're six feet apart. So there, there's really no reason to believe the government when they say that these rules are here to keep us safe. Yes, exactly. They're here to keep us under control. They're, that is exactly right. They're here to keep us under control. But I, I wanted to change the, the nuance of the conversation just a little bit here, Bob, because I am friends with megachurch pastors and smaller church pastors all over San Diego County. And I know when there's this declaration from uh, the state of California, for example, where, you know, you can assemble, but it has to be six feet away, and, and then there's the masking issues and things like that. They've been trying to be very faithful, not disobeying government, but there's a point in time where the government violates not only the Constitution, but the government is violating scriptural yeah, precepts. We've got to be very careful. It, it does say in Romans 13 to obey the government, but that means obey the government until— Right. Or unless the government commands you to compromise. That's right. And so here, here's the, the challenge, my, my pastoral friends and administrative friends. Where do we, how far do we allow this to happen? 
And one of the things I've seen, this is insidious going on into the church environment. There is a, there's, you know, the Bible forewarns, you know, about the, uh, the social gospel. The Bible forewarns about, in, in uh, Galatians 8, it talks about if another gospel is preached, it beware. Yeah. And so there's a social gospel, which is not godly. And then there's the, uh, you know, that that's another gospel. But the gospel message actually has two sides and that they're both of them are right and righteous. One is the gospel of salvation. And one of them is the gospel of the kingdom. There are two si- different sides of the same coin. And one of the things that I see is a lot of, we we're pretty well steeped as Christians. Uh, if you've been a Christian for a number of years, you understand the gospel of salvation because you understand the the, the gospels and what, what Jesus taught in the gospels and how to work those things out. But the gospel of the kingdom, uh, we're not really sure about. But the Bible talks about in the end in 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 Matthew twenty four. It says the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached, and then the end shall come. We, we, sometimes we don't understand that gospel of the kingdom. Well, here, here's another way to look at it. Jesus, the, the cross and the resurrection together, and they're a set. Mm-hmm. The, the, the cross is to, to forgive us of our sins. Yes. The resurrection is to ultimately bring us back to paradise where there'll be no sin. Think of it this way. The gospel means good news. The good news that we will be completely delivered from sin across the board. That means deliverance from the sin you've committed, but it also means deliverance from sin committed against you. When you get to heaven, you're not only going to be glad that you're there and forgiven, you're going to be glad that there aren't murderers or rapists. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, it's not going to be much of a heaven. Right. So the kingdom part of it, uh, where uh, this is this was the problem that the Jews had, and I'm Jewish myself, by the way. So when I, some people say the Jews like a slang term, I don't no. mean it that way. My own people, the problem they had with Jesus is they understood that the Messiah was going to come as a king, but they weren't reading passages like Isaiah 53, which said before he rules as king, he's going to die for your sins and rise from the dead. And so as Christians today. Evangelical Christians kind of stress one side of that coin, the yeah. part about us being forgiven. We don't enough stress the part about delivering people from sins committed against them. Why do we cast out demons? Demons are abusing sure. people. Sure. Um, why do we? Why did the early church speak against slavery? And it did. The uh-huh. Bible gets a lot of bad press. They, they spoke against slavery because that was a tyrannical thing from the government. So why did the abolitionists? Um, in this, in the early uh, parts before the Civil War, those abolitionists, most of them were Christians. They yes. were preaching against slavery because they understood that other side sure. of the of the kingdom. You know, and, and that's one of the messages. This uh, I think pastors are starting to see a little bit more clearly is it, it, it's real easy for pastors, especially if you've gone through seminary and things like that, to preach the gospel of salvation. We're trained how to do that kind of a thing. And I, as a speaker, I can comprehend the gospel of salvation because I'm, I love the gospels, I love the, the epistles, and I can preach and teach out of those things as it relates to the salvation message. But the kingdom message is a message that, that the fullness of that has not been preached too much these days, and we need to change our mentality from, and I'm going to use this as an analogy, and you can straighten me out if you want, but we we handle the, the sheep the sheep mentality because the the gospel of salvation is Jesus is our shepherd and that's good, but see the the gospel of the kingdom message is Jesus is the lion, and that's the component that we we, well, we don't feel comfortable very, about. Or another 
sticking with that same analogy, the shepherd herds the sheep. The shepherd also protects sheep from exactly. the wolf. That's right. There's a lot of wolves now, exactly. and we're supposed to stand up. Christ is the ultimate shepherd, but as pastors, we're the sub-shepherds. We're supposed to protect our people from the wolves. Yes, and, and now I'm going to introduce another incendiary component to this, and uh, we'll deal with you it. You really in, love that word, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this word uh, because it's time for us to, to see things as they are. And this comes them. from Second Incendiaries chapter 2 in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a statement. I'm going to bring on a guy named Dave Wilkerson who passed away a number of years ago. And, and you're his, still able to bring him on your show. Oh, That's ex- pretty good, know, we're, we're, That's, we, We've got some— We're crossing the road of life and death here. <laughs> But I'm, the, the whole idea is pastors and administrators in a church environment and those of you who are leading Bible studies or whatever, be careful about how the social gospel, which is not really socialist, socialism gospel, may creep into the teaching, may creep into the the way that we deal with sin and sinners that attend in our church environments. We can't soft soap this. It's it, you got to love the sinner and hate the sin. Sometimes we love the sinner and we acquiesce to their sin. That has to change. We're going to talk more about that and the difference between the social gospel or the socialism gospel and how we can sometimes fall prey to that and how God wants us to keep our eyes trained on Jesus, who is the the illustration of the gospel of salvation, yes, but also the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to get down there, and we're going to be bringing on a quote, actually, uh, uh, one of the teachings from David Wilkerson. Well, David Wilkerson knew both sides of this. His first big book was The Cross and the Switchblade, where he talked about going in and to the inner city and sharing the love of Christ, and he started the Ministry Team Challenge. Yes. But then later in his life, he started getting very concerned about where we were headed as a nation, and he started speaking against the evil. So that's a good picture of the two sides of the gospel yes. right there. Yes, yes. And he, he was the pastor and leader of the Times Square Church in, in New York City. Can anybody say New York City? Yeah, well, soon there won't be a New York City, so <laughs> say it while you can. Yes, exactly. So we're going to be jumping into this, and uh, I want you, my listening friend, to to have some compassion for us as we share this, because uh, there's going to be some toes that may get nicked a little bit as we do this, and you know, this show's name is Come Together San Diego, so my whole heart cry is for the body of Christ to come together, pastors, leaders, and uh, others that are church people. So we're, we made, you know, it's a delicate walk. Coming together with mutual respect, exactly. but not shying from the truth. That's right. So we're going to talk about that, my listening friend. I knew we were going to get there, and I think you're going to be uh, amazed about uh, David Wilkerson and his insights, and we're going to talk through that when uh, Bob Siegel and I come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hi, I'm Che An, President and Founder of Harvest International Ministry in Pasadena, and I want to make an apostolic declaration. God loves San Diego, and I declare revival and transformation of San Diego. I declare heaven on earth in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And welcome back. And uh, firecrackers are about ready to let them loose here. Bob Siegel is with me. And he's playing with matches. 
<laughs> Generally, I, I like fireworks more than firecrackers. <laughs> well, and fireworks. Yeah. God knows that. The flood worked, and now fire <laughs> will work as well. Just a, that was a deep scripture. Well, anyway. Fireworks were forbidden this year because of COVID-19. Exactly. What that had to do with COVID-19, I'm I sure no I don't idea. know, and I'm sure <laughs> no one that made the rule does. Okay, Bob, I'm looking at you eye to eye. Let's get serious about this. Okay. We're going to talk about some very hefty stuff particularly as it relates to making the right decisions in uh, our the way we administer our church. And my, my listening friend, especially my pastors and administrators in the church environment, we've had to rethink how church is supposed to look, at least how we've defined church in the past. We've had to rethink this. And the question is, what do we acquiesce to that is not scriptural? And what do we acquiesce to that is in reverence to the government and not the Bible? I mean, we, we need to talk about that. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying that you can't do some social distancing. Personally, I believe a lot of that is a bunch of hooey, but I respect those who feel differently. But still, when the people are telling us how many were allowed to let into a church service, only 25% occupancy, there's a lot of people out there that need to hear the gospel, and there's, there's there are reasons why God commanded us to do it in person. Again, I do a lot on the internet. I've been doing all kinds of Zoom meetings, and that's great, but we're still supposed to have some choices yes. in this that the government is not giving us. Yes, and now I'm going to switch gears on this because we, we've talked a little bit about that, but I, I want to really go to the heart of the, of the issue, my pastoral friends, and that is the, the message that we are preaching. And um, so what do we do to bring in the masses without, uh, without violating our what the scripture says about the uh, the improper without apologizing for being Americans or for, or without or apologizing, apologizing for, being for our skin color or for anything or, or apologizing for what the scripture says yes and so exactly. but, and so the social uh, what do you call it? the social gospel has is a challenge in at many pulpits and I would say. It, uh, how do I say this delicately? My my pastoral friends, the danger that we have, we, we've maybe allowed a little bit too much of this in our pulpits, the embrace of the non-biblical things as part of biblical celebration, and this known as the social gospel. We talked about uh, in Galatians 8, it talks about another gospel. I'm going to play for you a, a, a you know, David Wilkerson prophetic insight that he had. He passed away in 2011. He was the pastor of the uh, Times Square Church in New York, and he was the founder, as you mentioned, Bob, he was the founder of Teen Challenge, and he was the author of The Cross and the Switchblade, a solid guy, and he said some very uh, very targeted things. I'm going to play this, and I want you to beware, my friend. Many of you are going to be offended by this, and ask yourself why you are offended, and we will talk about it afterwards. It's about a six-minute clip, and we're going to play that. This is David Wilkerson uh, just before he passed away, uh, and uh, I want you to hear this. This has to do with this social gospel mentality, and we have to look in the mirror and say, how much of this am I embracing? Are you ready to listen to, to, I'm to, ready. to this man, David Wilkerson, my dear friend Bob Siegel? You bet. Let's okay. roll it. Let's roll it. Whether they want to hear it or not, the Lord always sends forth watchmen to warn. He always does. He never does anything till he warns. <clears throat> the gospel of accommodation. Now, to accommodate means to adapt. It means to make suitable or acceptable. It also means to adjust, to make something very convenient. 
It means to yield to the desires of others to placate them. Now you put that together, and I'm talking about a gospel that's been invented in hell and is now being propagated all of the United States. It's a suitable, acceptable, convenient, a gospel that has yielded to the desires and the weakness of sinful men. I call it the gospel of accommodation because it's adapting and adjusting the gospel uh, to appease and attract sinners. This gospel accommodation is primarily an American cultural invention to ease our lifestyle. It appeals primarily to white America, rich and prosperous. It was invented out of hell itself. This new gospel is sweeping the America and the nation is influencing ministers of every denomination. It's giving birth to mega churches. Some of the largest churches in the United States are involved in this gospel. It's a non-confronting, convenient gospel, adapted. It is spoon-fed to the congregation by uh, skits, humorous skits and drama, short, non-abrasive, 20-minute messages. And it's all called seeker-friendly. The seeker-friendly churches. And one of these days, there may be somebody move into the city and try to bring one of these churches right into New York City. They are springing up now overnight and suddenly thousands attend. This new gospel is being propagated by bright, young, intelligent, ta talented ministers. They, they came upon a formula by which you can go into any city in any town and almost overnight build a mega church. And as I understand this formula, you begin by going into the community with your workers and you poll the community to find out what the sinner found offensive about attending church. Well, why don't you attend church? And what was offensive about it? And what would it, what would we have to do to bring you back into the church? What would make you comfortable? What would you like to see? You don't like choirs? We'll do away with choirs. You, you, you don't like suits in church? You come the way you choose? Uh, just tell us what you want. And they survey the community and then sit in their, uh, with their computers and in their conference rooms and they design a program that will make it comfortable for the sinner and make it friendly for, they rather call it sinner friendly, they would call it seeker friendly and try to attract them to come into the house of God. It's becoming the most prosperous, most flourishing of all religious movements in the history of America. The churches are run like corporations. The pastor is the CEO, chief executive officer. And it's big business. And this formula has now been cleverly packaged. And it is now being pushed in seminars all over the United States. It sounds good. What they say sounds very good. It sounds spiritual in its goals. It sounds like Jesus is the central theme. And folks, I'm not going to name any names because I'm not talking about the character of these men. I'm talking about the gospel that they preach. I am here to remind you that Paul the Apostle warned of the coming of another gospel which we have not preached. He said there is coming another gospel that's going to preach another Jesus. You'll hear his name. It'll sound sweet. But it's not the Jesus that I preach, Paul said. It's not the true Jesus. Paul goes on, or Paul was amazed, he said that you were so removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ to another gospel. Folks, listen to me. 
There is in the land right now, with thousands of people sitting under it, another gospel, another Jesus, being preached by ministers who have lost the touch of God and been transformed into angels of light to common to deceive, if possible, even the elect of God. Paul goes to warn the church, it's really not another gospel, but it's a perversion of the gospel of Christ, which is really not another, Paul said, but there be some that trouble you and pervert or change the gospel of Christ. He said, they're going to change it. They're going to accommodate the sinner. They're going to accommodate their pleasures. They're going to accommodate all of their needs. And they're going to design a gospel with their own Christ, with their own doctrine. Then this awful warning from Paul. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, but that which we preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Folks, I didn't say that. The Apostle Paul said it. If anybody preach another gospel, what you've heard, if anyone preach anything but the crucified Christ, if anyone preach anything that appeases man in his sin, that's not the gospel you heard from me, Paul said, and anyone preaches another, let him be accursed. And he said it's going to be dangerous because it's going to come from seemingly pious, sincere ministers. That's what made the doctrine called antinomianism so dangerous because it was in the hands of some very uh, fine, uh, good living men like Dr. Crisp, who was one of the founders of that anti-law movement back during the Puritan age. Anti-law, they, they cast aside the burden of the law and the reason it was so accepted because the men who preached it seemed to be so pious. And I tremble when I hear Paul warn us that Satan's going to come right into the church disguised as an angel of light. Wow, wow. I know that's the stirring. And, uh, you know, we have to really examine ourselves, the inside out pastors and leaders and administrators. And we that uh, sit in the in the pews as well. But those of us who actually go out and minister in the actual world as well. Bob Siegel. Yeah. And uh... I would add just one wrinkle to this. He talked about seeker-friendly services. Now, there's nothing wrong with a seeker-friendly service in the sense of reaching people in their own sure. language at their own level. Paul said, to the Jews, I became as a sure. Jew to win the Jews. To the Greeks, I became as a Greek. So I don't have a problem with them and having, having modern verbiage. music. This was 2011 of a, yeah, verbiage. So, so, but, modern but, music instead of a choir, yeah, exactly. dressing the way you want. However, there are some churches who, in the name of being seeker friendly yeah. and don't want to offend the way the message is is presented, which is fine. It's a it's a very important message. We don't want to turn people off at the way we say it. But what they're doing is they're compromising the message itself. There are some yeah. churches who in the name of being seeker friendly say, well we don't have any problem with same sex marriage because sure. Jesus tells us to be compassionate exactly. things like that. But the that's other, where we have to watch but, out. But the other piece of the equation is sometimes uh and I fall prey to this as well, sometimes we soft soap the actual gospel message too much yeah so that we don't offend we're going to talk more about that in this last segment uh, uh, if you don't mind not Bob at Siegel, all yeah. because we're if, if you looked at the news recently you read the newspaper you, you try to walk around and you're being disallowed in church environments and things like that you understand that the enemy is is, is uh doing the uh the Full court press. Yeah. And the Bible does say Satan will disguise himself as an angel of light. So we're going to, in all honesty and transparency, we're going to explore this in this last segment and get ready, my friends, because God wants us to, to take 
his baton and run with it forward instead of acquiescing to the enemy's wiles. And so Bob Siegel and I were going to discuss that in the last segment. (laughs) So buckle up because we will be right back. Right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Now more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Not only is here is Kaz Taylor, but here is Bob Siegel with the Bob Siegel Show joining me. We're up to the last I can't thing. believe it went by so fast, but I know. it's been a blast. It's always great to be here with it you. It is. Guys. But let's dedicate ourselves to being laser-focused on this topic because this is this is really where we are we've come down to the place where you have to do the conclusion and summary when you write a you know when you write a book and here's the concluding statement well here's the concluding statement there is a the tendency uh, for because we don't want to offend people to be uh having kind of a social gospel mixed in with the gospel of salvation and, and a social gospel mixed in with the 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 gospel of the kingdom there's no place for that that is correct. There's no place for that. And, and, and it's not just about not wanting to offend people. That sounds like a nice gesture, but sometimes it's just cowardice, too, where we don't want to get in trouble, particularly exactly. with all that's going on now. And, and my listening friend, I, I have to tell you, I, my, I've vested my life for the unity in the body of Christ. I've vested my life in San Diego County to see the different denominations come together. And Bob, I know you have in many ways as well. And it hurts my heart when I see uh, different people, and I'm hearing a lot of different people talking against different people for making these decisions one way or another. That really rips out of my heart. But also the tendency for us to abdicate our uh, biblical responsibility for the sake of acquiescing to government directives. I'm angry about that. Yeah, and God may not call all of us to do the same thing. No, exactly. That's where we give each other some slack and grace. But my friends, God is calling all of us to do something. We've got to do something about this. Exactly, Bob. But not only do something about that, but don't do pot shots against those who have been called to make the stand. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm— proclaiming this, that, and the other, and all of a sudden the church is not behind well, me prophets anymore. Prophets are as popular today as they were in the Old Testament <laughs> days. We know how much the kings <laughs> love those prophets. Oh, my, yeah. my, my. So here's the deal. I'm going to put this out to you, and Bob, I want you to get your insights on this as well. We've got social gospel, which is can be a temptation for all of us. And, and any pulpit, you know, you, you want to soft soap this because you don't want those people that you've been working on that have maybe some different persuasion that's an ungodly persuasion not to be offended and leave because you want to keep ministering to them. But the time for that acquiescence has come and gone. It's time that that social gospel, you realize it as a socialism gospel, and that has to go away. And And and, there's no freedom under pure socialism. No, there's no—exactly. But also the differentiation between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom. We we feel comfortable with the gospel of salvation. We do, we do, we do. But God's saying, my kingdom comes— and part of that is speaking against evil and delivering people from evil. That's right. But yeah, but also saying evil is coming, not to dis- evil disavow Evil is coming it. and also Christ is coming. That's now, right. We, we don't know when, but he is coming and we're supposed to live our lives as though he could come at any time. As I may say, if I may be so bold, he is coming very, 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 very soon. <laughs> <laughs> He's been saying soon for a long time. However, However. he is definitely coming. 
And that is our hope. And nobody knows what day they're going to die. So we all know he's that sometime in our life he's coming one way or the other. Oh, I like that. We, we, we don't exactly know, like you know, when you die, you're going to suddenly be in the resurrected kingdom. If he comes first to the earth, great. But he's coming for you sometime in your yes. lifetime. So live as if he's coming for you. I want to talk about a couple of things here, Bob, and get your insights on that. And that is a lot of people. How do I want to say this? A lot of people, we we embrace, a lot of people embrace the pre-tribulation doctrine. That is, we're going to be taken out before the trouble really starts. That and would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. But we don't necessarily know that it's going to come down and, that way. And then way. there are others that have a different persuasion. A millennial saying this already happened. And, and then mid-tribulation people and uh, post-tribulation people that we, we're definitely going to spend time with the Lord and rule and reign with him for a thousand years. We know that. But we have problems actually identifying that. Here's there will what, definitely be a tribulation. There will definitely be a rapture. Exactly. But, but that's what we know. Here's the problem that I'm seeing. And uh, this is for my pre-tribulation friends. The tendency can be, be very aware, that a tendency can be if you're believing that God's going to take you out of this trouble, when it begins, you are going to either deny it or you are going to say, uh, I, I have to lose faith, faith, or, or, faith or, in what or I Or you're going to work, not work to make society a better place. That's, that's right. Paul said, pray for kings in Come high on. places that we might live a peaceful life. He didn't say go out there and welcome persecution because maybe you'll get raptured out of it. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth yes. and the light of the earth. So if we acquiesce to the a, and I'm not saying one way or another on this pre mid trib or or a millennial stuff, but if we acquiesce and embrace fully without any any discussion about what happens if we are to go through this stuff for the purpose of being God's ministers in the middle of it, what happens if we are putting all of our faith in pre tribulation rapture? If it doesn't work that it way, work that it, way. It, how is that? Are you going to be prepared? But are you going to be prepared? But are you going to prepare others as well? That's where we yeah. are right now, my yeah, Mr. Yeah, hope friend. for the rapture, but be ready for the tribulation because you don't know for sure how it's going to come down. Exactly. You know, and we talked a little bit in the show about uh, the g- gospel of salvation and the, the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom uh, acknowledges that things are going to come to pass that are negative, and what do we do with it? Let me let me just yeah, read to you the sure. scripture. A lot of uh, eschatological, eschatological, yeah, yeah, something like, you know, the teachers of the end times, they will use this scripture in Matthew 24 and it's the the, the Olivet Discourse that Jesus said. Now listen to where this reference to the gospel of the kingdom comes in here. Jesus is is with the disciples and he's saying, look at this uh, beautiful city, look at the temple and all these kind of things. And then he goes, what are the signs of the, of the uh, end of the age? He, he itemizes, uh, you know, uh, Christian against Christian, believer against believer, troubled times, earthquakes and diverse places and things like that. And then after he says all these things that they need to be aware of, he goes, and the kingdom of, the, the gospel of the kingdom needs to be preached in all the world as a witness, and then the end shall come, yeah. the end of the age. In other words, he's, he didn't soft-soap this. He's simply saying that you, you need to be aware of these things, and the gospel of the kingdom is com- is communicating these things, and so we shy away from these things going, oh, that's for a future time. What happens if now is the future time? Well, and even so, we can— the Bible says that there's an ultimate antichrist coming, but many antichrists have already come. We exactly. can have an antichrist and a tribulation, even if it's not the ultimate one. So we we, we certainly look like we're on the verge of persecution yes. in America, and I'm praying and working for revival, hoping it doesn't happen, but we've got to be prepared. That's right. And not compromised if it does happen. That's right. Not compromised if it does happen. My listening friend and my pastor's 
dear sweet I, I can't tell you how much I love the pastors of San Diego County all denominations they have a very difficult a very job. difficult task very difficult but job. please 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 revisit the way in which we communicate if if we're sacrificing the gospel for the sake of acquiescing to some of the people that need to hear the message between the eyes we're making a mistake particularly now we need to be able to stand on what the scripture says and you may lose people but by losing the people, that makes the seats available for people that are really interested in embracing. Yeah, that's We've true. We've got about one minute left here. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and I'll take the last 30 seconds. Bob Siegel. Well, just my, my friends, we, uh, we will get through this. I, I can't tell you how we're going to get through this. If something were to happen to you, what's the worst thing that could happen to you, you in these times? To be absent from the body is faith. to be present yeah, with the Lord. Yeah, if you Come get on, executed, please. you will go to be with the Lord. And what could be more wonderful then that it's times like this where we have to ask ourselves if we really believe what we believe. I remember one time a story I heard where, where a Christian was talking and sharing about the resurrection, and his friend said to him, his friend who wasn't a Christian, he said, if I believed what you say you believe, I wouldn't be afraid of anything. Isn't that interesting? Let's, gonna, let's take that. If, if you believe what you say you believe, you wouldn't be afraid of anything. Yeah. So here's what's happening. Fear is ravaging the church right now. People are fearful of catching this or doing that and getting in trouble for this. We need to not have the spirit of fear. He wants us to have the spirit of love and of a sound mind and things like that. My listening friend, here's the deal. Be face-to-face with the Lord. Pray and seek his face. And my pastor friends, assess the, the gospel of the kingdom and begin vigilantly preaching that. And even though it may stir some people up, these people need to be stirred. And we are at the times where we need to make our stand. So Bob, that's my dissertation and we're out of time. Okay. Thanks so, again, Kaz. It's Bob always Siegel, great to be with you. The Bob Siegel show on the answer San Diego. And this has come together San Diego on K praise. And we're so thrilled to have you guys. More of this stuff is starting to get volatile, but we're also starting to be bold and speak out. And that's what's going to happen from this point forward on come together, San Diego. Join us next week. Cause more of the same Bob Siegel. God bless you. My listening friend, God bless you. See ya soon. Goodbye. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise.